Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My, 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 isn't it a good Sunday morning? Oh, the the birds are singing in the trees. I mean, you know, they can't stand in the trees because it's so blustery out there. They're being blown all over the place. But it is it is a gorgeous day to be a Watford fan. Let's start with yourself, Tom. You were actually at the game in Birmingham. Tell us just how much you enjoyed that one. For most of it, I thought, oh. God, it's not been great. But by the time we left Villa Park, yes, I had enjoyed it. <laughs> Obviously, the result kind of uh, is the filter through which you view everything else, isn't it, naturally? Um, so, yes, by full time, I was elated that I'd gone. First time in a long, long time I've gone to an away game. And I can't really remember when I went to a lot of my last away game, certainly just as a fan. Um in fact, yeah, probably the last time I went to an away game period was covering the club for the Waffle Observer or WD Sport, in fact, sorry. So yeah, it's been a hell of a long time. There's nothing quite like an away game, is there? So it was it was it was fantastic in that respect. A great day out. Um and given the kind of low level of expectations I went with, I was, you know, pleasantly surprised, as I think we probably all were. So yes, a very good day. Uh I'm looking out the window now and it is wet and wild, as you say, but the, the mood is certainly lifted by the, the performance and result yesterday, definitely. It's sunny in my eyes, Tom. Um, <laughs> I mean, after three months of, of not having a victory, I, I'd almost forgotten what it felt like to, to, to get a win. Um, I mean, what about yourself? No, absolutely right. It's You don't realise quite how long it's been until you say it out loud, but most do you, that it's been that long. is is ridiculous, quite frankly, and indicative of the season we're having. And to be honest, indicative of how bad several other teams have been, that we're as close, you know, as we are mm. after that win, granted, um, to to being still within kind of within uh, within touching distance yeah. of the teams. It's mad. Isn't it? I know, I know. It's uh, I think none of us predicted, it, did we? We all kind of. I think maybe the most positive outcome we had was a drawdown for that one in our prediction. So, yeah, it was uh, yeah much needed and uh, yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange feeling. I must admit, even just scoring the goal felt a little bit. Weird. I can't remember the last time I went to a game and I saw a sc- I saw a score or watched a game on telly and saw a score. So, all in all, it was a it was a day of of rare occurrences, but very welcome. It was indeed. Um, when I saw that lineup, Tom, actually, it it really excited me because because that's that's basically the lineup that I would have chosen if someone had said, right, your manager for a day, 
pick the team and every player that was involved would have been uh, players that I would have chosen. Even though the performance was very much in still in keeping with how Rory has been playing this season, it felt as though we had the right maybe balance. Yeah, I think I think the change of shape was definitely something that allowed us to have a little bit more balance and some of the personnel choices too. But yeah, it was still still wasn't perfect. There's still, you know, we'd like to be able to see ourselves get a little bit more involved offensively at times. Um, but we still managed to open up a little bit, create a little bit more, as you say, balance, but also uh, keeps kind of a lot of that defensive structure that we kind of talked about as the main positives that we've had since Roy had come in. So I think from that perspective, it was it was, it was good to see. Um, obviously, kind of the, the, the game plan as it was, was to kind of stay tight, stay in games and try and keep things within a one goal margin. And hopefully you can, you can be a little bit more offensive and open up a little bit towards the end and, and perhaps you know, nick something. And in terms of a Roy Hodgson game plan, I don't think you'll see many more that go, kind of go down to the, the kind of final details of his plan than the win yesterday. That was pretty much the epitome of what he's looking for, I'd imagine. Yeah, so that was more like a 4-3-3 um, that we saw yesterday. Is that right? Yeah, so we, we saw the extra man in midfield, and I think that was, I mean, that we talk about personnel changes. Having Loser from the beginning, I think, was a huge, huge plus. Um, we kind of discussed him a little bit more so as being used in one of those wide men, should we stay with the 4-4-2. The four, four, um, but switching to the, the three in midfield and putting Loser in there kind of just gave us a, a whole different, different dimension in terms of kind of use of the ball and actual some ability to retain possession at times. That's something we really seemed to struggle with was having any sort of possession to you know, the pass completion rate and they, even the kind of choice of passes from the previous game was woeful. So to, to have someone in there that's able to kind of dictate things a little bit, allow us to recycle possession, be a little bit calmer on the ball, but also look to play forward at times really, really helped us kind of stay in that. Um, allowed us to break. It allowed us to kind of not just have to clear our lines every moment. We were able to kind of play the ball into midfield a little bit. And uh, yeah, it just kind of played into, again, played into that balance that we saw on the pitch. Yeah, Luce definitely seemed to be one of the biggest influences yesterday. Um, we saw a bit about what he could bring back uh, after his uh, spell away from the squad with AFCON when he came on in the second half against Brighton. No surprise then, really, that he was included from the start against Aston Villa. And, you know, he was, he was instrumental yeah. in, in creating everything, wasn't he? No, he certainly was. He's, he's a good player. Who's, uh, I think the, the thing is, he's one of, he's really benefited from, uh, from AFCON in the sense of... Um, not being there, available to the coach, and being missed, people have kind of, you know, in his reputation has been enhanced. People have kind of made a far bigger deal out of him being missing and how important this is and how much he must come back and see. I think we need to not get, uh, you know, not run away with reality here of the fact that it wasn't that long ago against, you know, got hooks against Brighton in the river. I thought it was a nice kind of comeback for him against Brighton to come in and be so important because in the home, in the away game against Brighton, he was obviously hooked at half time. The kind of universal feeling was, oh mm. God, he's a long way off it at this stage. And, you know, he wasn't really in the team or the squad for a, for a long time after that. So he's had, he's had a bit of a renaissance and, and really let's be, you know, let's be honest about it. I could, I should have looked up the uh, force and running around trying to sort out headphones before we podded. I would have done my <laughs> research and looked it up, but I don't think he actually started that many games prior to going to AFCON that you could say it's a blindingly obvious thing that he has to, has to start. I think we were, we'd come round to the kind of point of view that he was our, an important midfielder for us, but I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't so obvious like Ismail Osara and Emmanuel Dennis have to start every week, you know. So he's um, he played a really important role yesterday. Again, he was one of the ones that was kind of looking to progress the ball, moved it quicker and 
more positively than than those around him. And obviously, his his kind of role in the goal is not necessarily what you associate with him. But, kind of carrying it forward and just when it looked like the move was about to potentially sort of fizzle out a bit um you know a nice switch of play over to Saar who did really well and was really patient in putting his cross in wasn't he as well so yeah. it was a, it was a really well constructed goal actually so they should uh they should you know they should take some heart from that and, and we created chances thereafter as well so you know it wasn't a smashing grab really and um not only having loser in the side as well but Saar being able to start from well from from the first minute was um particularly useful and it was him in fact who was directly involved in in the goal yeah it was useful I think it was it was nice to see kind of two wide men that are pretty offensively minded in in Saar and Dennis but also you know both able to to work defensively too and contribute quite well they can pressure in the forward areas but they can also get back and help and we saw them both do that Uh, I think think another thing too offensively which kind of maybe gets a little bit overlooked is how much having that extra man in midfield allows your fullbacks to push forwards as well um, and another player quite crucial in that goal was uh, Kika Femenia with the with the overlap and run. You know, really makes uh, Villa think about that that extra kind of that extra move, and they have to react. And that's just a half inch that that Sar needs to put the ball in. And obviously, Dennis comes up and scores, but Kika has a piece of that goal too. Uh, and from the left hand side, we saw another really promising f- performance from from Kamara. So him able to push up a little bit more and also work in that space as well is really useful. So I, I think it'll be hard. I think you'd be hard pressed for if you were Roy or, you know, just kind of looking on, it's hard to kind of see us going away from this shape now. Now we've experimented with it and we've seen some of the success we can have. It's robust, it's flexible. Um, you know, you still have the option to be a little bit more offensive if you want to be. There's nothing really stopping you from playing a midfielder in there that could push on a little bit more. Um, and yeah, like it, was, it was very positive. There's still a lot to be done, but it was, um, i say, a much bigger step uh, in terms of the 90 minutes than we've seen from the previous games. After the the Brighton game, Roy said that um, you know he wasn't sure who the fans would pick as a of a choice between Kiembe and and Loser, but um, he's opted for Loser for this game. Do you feel as though um, you know he decided in, in his own mind that Loser was more I don't know appropriate for this game, or do you think it's more that the system that that is going to be favouring Loser now over over Kiembe? Yeah, I think in terms of Kambe, for me personally, he's he's looking to occupy one of the spots filled by Sissoko or Cleverly. In terms of what was deployed yesterday, uh, the role that Loser has in, in that team, there's no one else I'd want in there. Um, I wouldn't even be considering Kambe really. Kambe, he, he can pass the ball. He's got a you know, decent range to him, but he's not. He's a very different midfielder. He's someone that you want to work hard, you know, works off the ball nicely. He's able to get into position. He can go up and down. His passing is relatively conservative. He has the he has the ability to switch the ball and kind of look for those angles with his left foot. But he's very different to the kind of energy and and um, kind of enthusiasm in possession that Loser brings. Uh, I think you kind of two different, very different players there. So if we're talking about someone replacing Loser, I think you'd be kind of struggling really to find someone. On loser, no, I agree. I don't think it was necessarily a foregone conclusion. I, you know, I looked it up on Soccer Base. Imran loser starts right, so he, he didn't. He started against Brighton. That was his first start for us. Lost, came off. Next game was the cup uh, win over Palace, and he started that. He didn't start another Premier League game until we beat Man United. Now, obviously, one way of cutting that is what well, we put back in team. We thrashed Manchester United four uh, one, and. The way I would look at that is he didn't play for nearly three months after that in the Premier League. Started nearly three months. Then he stayed in the team, presumably uh, off the back of the fact that we had a good he had a good game and we had a good result for the next three against Leicester, Chelsea and Man City, where 
I think obviously some silly errors at Leicester aside, we, you know, we maybe we've got something. Chelsea, we were unlucky, and City, given how well record is against City, we we actually played quite well. So then that probably helps enhance his reputation that in four games where we had very low expectations, but got came out of it, you know, fairly unscathed. Um, you know, really helps. He missed the abomination against Brentford and West Ham. Played against Spurs when we were, you know, drab but fairly kind of. Uh, well, it was one nil defeat, wasn't it? And then he went to Afcon. So, do you know what I mean? He's not actually played. He's made before yesterday. He'd made six Premier League starts. It's not, you know, we're not talking about someone that's a, a nailed on first name on the team sheet up until this point. He might be in the view of some fans, um, but you know, for me, I think it's it's more of a not necessarily a coin toss, but there's a there's a discussion, you know, mm. that has to be had, and I have just discussed it. In great well, detail. yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> from, what you, from what you suggested there, there's certainly data to show that when he plays, Watford play better. So, so what is it? What, what is it the loser's able to do then? What 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 sets them apart from everyone else that we have in that area? Well, I mean, first, his, his ability to progress the ball is is one thing from deep, especially. He's energetic in how he gets the space to receive the ball. Uh, and once he has it, he's able to play in different spaces and play at different angles that other midfielders we have aren't capable of doing. You know, he's, he's more, he's a little bit sharp on the turn. He's a little bit quicker in the way he moves the ball. He's also more willing. To, he's also willing to take more risks than other midfielders. You look at KM Base Soko. Um, they're both guys that look to to carry the ball for their their means of progression. Where losers looking to pick up the ball, drive and displace a little bit, and then play that pass forward. He's able to find his wingers. He's just a much more offensively minded midfielder. Him playing deep is more about his ability to to pick up the ball from defence. And also, it, it's also defensive positive, right? So where he defends in a different way, Camby's a little bit more physical. He kind of cuts those lanes a little bit more, just kind of shields that back four. Loser can be a little bit more aggressive in the press, kind of close a little bit quicker. But where he helps you defensively is also when you do have to defend, when you do turn the ball over, he's someone that can receive that ball, take a touch, turn and calmly find another player rather than having to have that reactionary plus, like long pass downfield, hopefully find someone, if not the ball's coming back at you. That's a defensive frailty. If you can't retain possession, if you can't control possession, that's a defensive issue. So it's having someone that can play the ball in those areas, you can look at as a defensive plus as well. And I think that's where loser really fits in, is that he is able to be that kind of both-way player. He can help out defensively, but also he's crucial for us in terms of bringing that ball forwards getting our two wingers into play and, and kind of helping kind of spring those attacks. And then how does the Soko and Cleverly alongside Loser um, make that midfield dynamic? Well, I think I, I think when you look at those two there, <clears throat> almost think of them as just, they're there to disrupt, they're there to be energetic, they have to be all over the pitch. You want them to be, they're not going to be creative necessarily. Soko can burst forward, he's more capable of doing something Cleverly. Cleverly is there simply to make it difficult for the opposition, turn the ball over, try and find your wingers. Sissoko is the same job, but also can carry the ball. They're kind of two supplementary midfielders, but the real kind of star of the show, as you would, is is, is loser in that middle of the pitch, that deeper role. That's who you're playing through. He's the key component to the midfield. He is the, not the same role, but he is the Etienne Capoue to the midfield that we had previously. You know, you have that one key part of it. You take that out and things look very different. For this midfield, this setup is loser. Um, supplement, they're much more supplementary in terms of uh, Sissoko and, and Cleverly. That's why if I was looking to get Kembe in there, you'd be looking at replacing one of those two. The same goes for all the midfield options we have, whether it be Kushka or, or whoever's coming into that central midfield position. It's kind of to, to work around loser based on kind of what we were playing yesterday and if we were looking to continue doing so. Um, you, you couldn't really slot anyone in there and kind of replace number six. 
Um, yeah. In terms of uh, other players who impressed you, you told me before we started podding that you was very impressed with Craig Cathcart. Yes, absolutely right. I thought, and you know what, Craig Cathcart, and I've said it, and I think it might have been the the pod we did after Brighton, or even the previous pod. I said, you know, Craig Cathcart gets kind of stick because he's like this boring guy, um, and so on. And and actually, you know, he's been through a lot of centre half partners, as I said. And there's probably a reason for that because no one's actually been better than him over a consistent period of, when did he join the club? 2014, you know, over a consistent period of eight, that's it, eight years, no one has actually been better than him for a long enough period to oust him. Um, And yesterday I thought it was just the archetypal Craig Cathcart performance. He threw himself in front of everything. He, you know, he never let anyone really, I'm sure someone will say, well, we forgot about this instance, but off the top of my head, he never let anyone really get the better of him, get the run on him, you know, in the right place at the right time, stuck a foot in, stuck his nut on it. It just did, you know, the very basics of defending one. I don't, and to be honest, I think everyone would agree that that is what you know Craig Cathcart to be good at and, and no one probably has any complaints with that side of his game. He has had bad games. In general, he's been yeah. pretty above average, I would say, which is which is, which is is fair. I mean, if, you, if you're returning yeah. a 7 out of 10 most weeks, I think most people would be pretty, pretty happy with that, to be honest. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and he and he was certainly more than a 7 out of 10 yesterday. And at the time I looked at it on the train home, he was winning the club vote for Man of the Match on their Twitter, which I think tells you everything because, you know, he's not naturally someone that attracts the plaudits and the limelight and, and so on and so forth. But I think people recognise yesterday that he has played. And ditto, I would say, Tom Cleverley, who uh, just, you know, another real sort of typical Tom Cleverley display, obviously out of, like a fish up a tree against Brighton, but, you know, kind of restored to a role he was much more comfortable with in, in the midfield sort of three yesterday in the centre, in the engine room, just absolutely working his knackers off, um, you know, breaking up moves, doing the, the dirty, unglamorous work that often doesn't get seen. And if you only see the highlights or match of the day or whatever, then you're probably not going to appreciate it. But as a kind of 90 minute display goes, he was, he was excellent in that, in that regard as well. So, Mm. you know, those guys, they're never going to, they're never going to be heroes in the way that someone like Ismail Asar will be probably in in the sense that, you know, Saar comes, his star burns very brightly uh, and very intensely for a short period. And then he moves on to a bigger club you know, they'll come and they'll have peaks and troughs and they'll be here for a long time and they'll be boo boys and whatnot. But I think, as I say, there's a reason those guys are still here and still getting picked by, by managers consistently and, and they and they showed exactly why yeah. that is yesterday. Yeah, I think Craig Cathcart and Samir, I thought, were both excellent. Um Actually, I thought the defensive unit as a whole was very good. I thought the fullbacks were both both very good. They didn't overcommit offensively, but they were able to contribute a lot. But the, the defensive two in the middle, I thought, were really, really solid. Cathcart kind of continued what we were t- discussing in, in the previous episode. He's he's someone that can slot in, and he, he, if he has a good partner next to him, he can really excel. Um, he does everything. He does everything simply. He's not going to overplay. He's not going to. He's not going to take too many risks generally. And he's a, he's a tidy player. Um, he got his foot to stuff. He read the game really well. He was able to get some really important blocks in, not just in his side of the defence. He was able to come across and defend well in the box. Um, yeah, I thought he was excellent. Good stuff. I can't really pick out any negatives for his game yesterday. I thought he was. Um, I thought he did literally everything he was asked to do that I can re- recall. I thought he he excelled at. I don't think he um, came off came out second best in, in many occasions yesterday, as, as far as I can remember. And that that goes for Samir too. Cathcart and Cleverly have got the club in their heart. Um, uh, you know whether it's grown there over time or or, or mm. you've been there ever since day one 
it doesn't matter. They're going to be supporters of the club in you know their own way long into their retirement. Um, you know, and we'll probably see them sort of brought out by the club to you know say hello at half time and things like that. Ishmaelia Saar, I suspect once he's left the club, he probably he probably won't come back uh, unless he's forced to by an opposition club because he has to play against us. Um, which you know, I mean, that's that's that, I'm not I'm not I'm just happy with that. I think Saar is giving us um, you know the best that he can whilst he's here, but um, I don't think he has any you know real plans to remember Watford as being like one of his uh, you know most notable uh, clubs that he's played. No, we- we were always meant to be a stepping stone for Ismail Assar, weren't we? But that cut, that cuts both ways. You know, we, we don't spend £35 million on a player lightly. We did that because they, they they saw a player that they could, you know, after a year or two years, whatever it may be, they could flip at a big profit. Obviously, relegation rather, um, rather scuppered that. But, you know, I, I imagine that this summer, as I think this is the kind of foregone conclusion we've all come to, this summer that will happen one way or another and, and we'll, you know, we'll say it was worth it because we made money on it. Perhaps not as much as if we made if we had, you know, a good season where we finished mid-table and he was able to get into kind of double figures for goals and assists or his injury and AFCON have, have not helped uh, in, in that regard. But it, there's a reason he stayed on yesterday, even though I don't think he had the best game. And I put this in my kind of list of thoughts post-match. Um you know, at times he was just—he, I, I thought he was very narrow for a start, um, okay. and at, at times he's just, you know, on the periphery for long, long periods. And obviously, that you know, he needs to get the ball to be effective, but he wasn't really working out of possession. I think Roy Hodgson mentioned that. I think that was a quote I saw somewhere that Sarah and Dennis need to work harder out of possession. But where was he playing came, to, Tom? Like, what what sort of position was he taking up? It was sort of like a kind of inside forward kind of position I guess you know he was very he was he was high but he was much closer to to Josh King and much more sort of narrow um than, than you typically see him kind of out wide hugging the touchline you know and, and we did I felt like we didn't really have a lot of width down the right hand side Kiko didn't get forward much and, and saw he had a couple of little forays obviously the chance he set up for uh, for Dennis but yeah he certainly felt quite narrow on that on that right hand side almost you know sort of playing off off king at times whereas on the other side dennis was quite deep but he was a lot wider um, and we seemed to channel a lot of our attacking play certainly in the first half down that side i mean the amount of times that we uh, foster sort of chucked it out to hassan kamara he sort of sauntered forward rolled it into dennis dennis was sort of a man backing into him so he just knocked it back inside and we sort of went nowhere. It was, it was ridiculous. But as the game became more stretched with Luis going off, we you know we had more joy. And, and as, as I say, like having Saar on the field, even if he's not playing well, he comes up with those moments of quality. And he did, didn't he? You know, it's a fantastic ball. He could have he could have rushed that. He could have done anything with it. But he, he held. He stood. Uh, I think it was it Luca Dean up. He stood him up and he he repositioned his body. It's quite a subtle sort of little movement. But the way he gets. He clips that cross in, you know, from a standing position to sit it up and clip it the way he did was, you know, it was a really quality ball and a great header as well by Dennis. But, you know, you take him out of the game because he's not had his best game on paper and you you miss that. So, um, yeah, it's a good job I'm not manager. I think we both ruled ourselves out of being managers in this podcast. Mm. He was he was good. Like he he had a chance early on, didn't he, where he took he took the ball on, cut inside. Had a couple kind of fake shots passed and got the shot away, and it was a good save by Martinez. But he was he was back on it again yesterday. He still can be in and out of games a little bit. I think that's just the nature of his style of play. Um, I don't think you're going to see that consistent output across 90 minutes very often. 
but he is he is someone that's a threat and I, I think we have to you know we have to take advantage of that I, I think he's someone that you you have to give a little bit of freedom to and I think when he was playing in, in that front two I think he was so separate separated under under Hodgson in the, in the front two anyway he was so separated isolated it just didn't really allow him to play his game and take those risks without fear of of kind of not having another chance, and I think, for example, yesterday, you know, if that had been the only chance of the game, you'd be kind of frustrated. But the fact that he was able to kind of have a little more freedom, and then, obviously, for the final, the final piece of play, the goal was it was a really good bit of work from him, and to get across Young, and obviously Young kind of fell asleep at the back post there. But the desire to get in the box and, and attack the ball like that, it's not easy to get that from from all your players. And I think the fact that he does he does that, and his his energy, his effort is top notch, and I think it, it does show, especially in the offensive perspective. He's always going to work hard to get in the position, and look, we we need players that are going to be doing that when when we can get them because we have to score goals, and he's someone that's going to be definitely one of our main threats the the remaining games this season. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Somebody who um, didn't feature yesterday uh, and he actually wasn't on the bench either. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure why this was, was, uh, was Pedro. Um, do you feel as though his... Uh, presence was missed yesterday, uh, Tom. Uh, maybe even <laughs> only as like a substitute, you know, coming well, the into club the game. Did, did tweet after announcing the lineup that he and Kutska both had injury, little injuries, knocks. I think. Okay. Um, so that is why. Yeah, at times. I mean, I'll be honest with Josh King. In the first half, I said, I thought he. He looked like he was towing a bloody lorry behind him at times. The speed he was moving at, and the, it, he didn't—he wasn't moving uncomfortably. It wasn't like you could say, "Oh, yeah, he's visibly limping or, or carrying something." But he just didn't look, you know, like he could go. He just didn't look like he could go at full pelt at any point. Um, but he was a lot better in the second half. So uh, perhaps if it had been the other way around, I'd have said, "Yeah, God, yeah, we need to get Pedro on and 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 have that option." I was a little bit surprised that with. Pedro unavailable and King the only other kind of 
centre forward, or you know, the centre starting centre forward. That um, Ashley Fletcher wasn't on the bench to be honest, but then Cucho came on and he's probably the perfect player in that situation. Whenever that sub was, kind of eighty fifth, eighty sixth minutes, just come on and absolutely just hair around like a maniac, press them, you know, be ready to spring the counter attack if needs be, and, and, and just generally run himself into the ground with, with his energy and exuberance. So, mm. yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I would obviously like to have had the option of Pedro, but uh, hopefully it's it's evidently not too serious if he wasn't included in any kind of pre game. Uh, injury uh, team news it's, it's, it's difficult to do this after after winning a game but um <laughs> is it time to start you know maybe pointing the finger at josh king and the you know sort of clear lack of 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 goal scoring that's been taking place there given according to his xg he should have scored a lot more than he has done yeah i suspect enhanced by the chance he had yesterday which to be honest it was a good save from uh from maybe Martinez, the, the cross into near post and whatnot, and it's one of those ones where it probably goes in nine times out of ten, and the one time out of ten it doesn't, it's a really good save from from the goalkeeper. I think Josh King, I've probably got nothing particularly new to say on him. He, I, I like him a lot. He works hard. He's mobile. He, he, you know, he kind of sacrifices himself for the team. But you also you do want to see your striker scoring goals. Um, you know, says so it's, it's four goals across two matches. It's not. It's not great. Um, oh, you know, we've hardly been creating chances for him. What I will say is yesterday he had two touches in the opposition penalty area, which, you know, is difficult. But, I mean, they were both shots, in fairness, but it's it's kind of difficult to look at that and say he's doing the job that we need of him, I think, isn't it? So maybe it is time for someone or if you're going to play him in that way and let him do what he does then maybe you need to play him with a partner but we'd prefer to see us play 4-3-3 not with 4-4-2 so I don't know what's the lesser of two evils to be honest with you in, in that in that regard yeah I mean I'm still holding up a little bit on, I, any criticism I have on King isn't so much to do with his, his, his play in front of the goal I think early on he was much he, he was he was performing better in offence in uh, sorry in ways of holding up the ball bringing others into play that's honestly what I want to see from King. Obviously, him scoring goals is great. It's ideal. When you have the wingers that we have, they are offensive threat. We, we can't be thinking of these as... We can't be thinking of Sarah and Dennis as guys that are going to be just delivering the ball to your striker. These are these are our attacking players. Dennis and Sarah are our main attacking outlet. They're our, they're our goal threat. King is there to bring them into play, hold the ball up, occupy defenders, obviously get shots away when you can. But honestly, I'd be expecting a higher return from those two anyway. So for me, the criticism comes more of has he been performing his role? Has he been executing his role at the degree, we, at the standard we'd like him to and that we know he's capable of? I'd say he's come up a little bit short, but I think you have to judge him by that rather than his um, his production. I think that's, for me personally, the way I view it, that's that's less of a, an issue for me. In the last pod, we were almost writing off Watford's season, but uh, it's funny what a win can do, Jordan. There's a, a bit more hope around the place now. Yeah, I mean, look, we as we kind of said, you have to be winning games like draws, there's a time and a place. Of course, there are some games even still left you can look at and think, okay, we, a draw is okay here. That still puts us in with a chance. But we have to be in a position where we're trying to win games. I, I would honestly, I'm glad we went for it in the last few minutes yesterday. Um, I would rather see us lose in that position than draw because I think that's the only way we can get ourselves out is to shoot our way out. And I just think we have to be, we have to be uh, positive when we can be. And a win does change things, especially if teams around you start to drop points. Obviously, it's unfortunate that, that Burnley won yesterday. Um, but there are teams that are falling down a little bit. You've got Brentford that are you know, struggling a little bit more and 
there's going to be the opportunity for us. If we can win games, then there's always got a chance. It's, it's, there's going to be more positivity and you create some momentum. And I think a, a draw yesterday, I think we'd still feel uh, felt pretty much the same as what he'd, we'd done going into that one. Maybe a little bit worse, just one less opportunity for a win. So, yeah, it's it's a huge result. And I think if you're going to have anything to kickstart the season, it kind of really had to be yesterday. I don't think it could be much later. Um, and, and now that kind of puts us in a good position. If we can get another win uh, against Palace, then... You know, depending on what happens around us, you've still got that chance. And honestly, it's all about just keeping yourself within touch and distance as much as you can. And then it's going to be, hopefully, best case scenario for us, really, judging on how things are. It will go down to the last day. Has it changed your mind about what might happen or are you still kind of feeling... I'm, I'm, for my own mental health too, I'm probably going to resign ourselves to relegation until we've seen a little bit more. But obviously there's, there's, you know, the the fan in me is going to have that belief. And I do have some belief, of course. Um, I do think the club is, that this team is, is capable of getting out of the position they're in. Um, the little bit of luck and what's going on around them. Um, so I'm going to have a little bit of hope in there, but I am going to remain, <laughs> I'm going to remain <laughs> stoic on this topic until, until further notice. That's fair. I don't. I don't blame you, Jordan. I think I'm still in the same camp as well. But uh, it's now you've got to be the positive one that we can live. No. Okay. Through. All right. Okay. Fine. I. I but I mean, well, look. I mean, if you if you take from what I what I predicted, um, I predicted us 18 points, not including the one that we just got yesterday. So that's that's maybe 21 points that. Um, We're on track. So you know, I mean, that that might keep us up, right? We, you never. Yeah. Know. Look, it's, never it could know. be very. It could be a very low, very low number of points to keep us up this year. Uh, it's, it's entirely possible. So, if, if that is the case, then yeah, I mean, we we can do it. It's, there's a chance. Just we got to keep an eye on the games around us as well. And uh, yeah, man, you never know. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back to Craig Cathcart then, who who said uh, impressed you after the game. He spoke to the media and he said that we've uh, tightened up since the manager came in. He got us pulling in the right direction, working hard together. We showed fight and took the chance when it came. We knew that they had a lot of threat going forward. We didn't panic. We defended well. We got through to the second half with it at nil-nil. And we knew then that there would be opportunities in the second half. I mean, that, that sort of thing that, that, that he's saying there really echoes the, the same sort of stuff that Hodgson has been saying ever since he's he's come in, basically. Like, you know, the game plan is to basically make it to half time without conceding and then try and mm. do something in the second half. And I suppose, you know, you know judging just from this game alone, he's been vindicated, hasn't he, in, in terms of his uh, his... Is, is his plan? No, absolutely. He's um, he, he's he's hitting nail on the head. I think really that's what, and I think that's been apparent in all the games really, hasn't it so far? Yeah. It's been a reluctance to kind of overcommit men forward. They've been quite happy to sort of you know be quite passive, stand off, let the other team have the ball. Um, you know, at this point, you'd almost, you'd say usually kind of soak up the pressure. I think at times we'll put us under pressure yesterday, but equally. At, at times, it was just sort of going backwards and forwards without really much control on either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, we apart from a couple of high-profile instances, the uh, the Danny Ings chance that he missed, the penalty which was on our side, and I felt at the time as soon as it went to VAR, I was like, "That's going to be a penalty," because it just looked well. Like yeah, I, 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 I think leg. we we got away with a couple there actually, didn't we? Um, yeah, yesterday that time. definitely could have been a penalty and. I think Danny Ings has to be scoring that, to be honest. So we, you know, mm. I guess yeah, I think a Danny Ings that plays every week for Villa would have scored, you know, in his Southampton form would have scored that. So 
Um, but yeah, no, going back to the point, I think, yeah, it, that's absolutely cl- quite true in plan. And, you know, like against Brighton, if, if we'd got to half time, then people would have probably gone, all right, fine. We've taken a bit of a battering in terms of possession, but it's still nil nil. We're in it. You know, we can regroup, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you, it just relies, I think, on, on doing the simple things well. And against Brighton, we didn't because, you know, look at the chance that Mope scored. He doesn't score that if one person gets tied to him, but they all stood off him. Uh, but yesterday, you know, we did we did the basic. They're ones who's kind of scary moments, as we just said. But we did the basics well, and we gave ourselves the the platform. The problem is, you know, when you play like that, as soon as as soon as you go one 0 down, which will happen when you're a struggling team, you know, Don't you've got to completely window, yeah. change. That's it. It goes out the window, doesn't it? It's a cliche, but it's it's so true. And you know, it's often been said of Allardyce and Pulis teams, but it's it's true. So. Um, we're not, but we're not shipping goals right left and centre. That's the best. I think that's the best thing you can say so far. We've at least yeah. been slightly tougher to break down, haven't we? Yeah, so. I mean, if you, if you look at the games we've played under Hodgson so far, you have to say it's working. I mean, it's boring. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think you have to admit it's boring. But what would people rather have? Another season in the Premier League, or well, I suppose that that's a debate in itself. But um, I mean, yeah, for the most part, people want us to to stay up and um. Hodgson's football has given us a chance. And yesterday we were able to finally take that sort of um, next step in terms of uh, after cementing uh, the, the defensive principles, scoring and um, and winning. So, you know, you can't say you can't say that it's not it's not working. Will it be enough, though? That's the biggest question, I think. Yeah, I think, and, and this was something he was at pains to point out afterwards, wasn't he? Certainly watching his BBC interview, he said, you know, we've won, but we've not, the job isn't done by a long, you know, we've done something we've not done in a while, but the job is not done by a long stretch. You know, we've got, we've got a massive game against Palace now. We're still, what is it, four points behind. You know, we've got to build on that momentum. We can't let that gap get any bigger again. Um, so, you know, show that we're in this, in this fight to stay up. I think it's so, what is so killer for us this season, if you look at the table, you know, we've got as many wins this season after yesterday as Palace, who are as high as 13th, and only two fewer than Brighton, who are 9th, and obviously drawing all the plaudits that they're drawing. Mm. We've got more wins than Newcastle, who are above us. But it's the fact that we just cannot, and we just have not been able to hold teams off, to stay in games and just, you know, knuckle down and, and get nick a point when maybe we didn't deserve it, with the, the fact that we've only got three draws all season. You know, is ridiculously low number of draws. That's been the, the the thing for us. If we could have converted a few of those defeats into into draws, we'd probably be above the the, the dotted line at this stage. So, yeah, we've got we and we, we time is running out at this stage to rely on draws to, to to save you. But so I'm not advocating that. But we've certainly given ourselves a chance, more of a chance than I thought we had. And obviously, as we, as, as I tweeted out, and it is missing a row, as, as you pointed out, I don't know what happened with our Wolves predictions. Um, <laughs> we, we, you know, we all had that down the stairs defeat. So we're already up on that. But now yeah. we, and now we have to, we have to double down and get the win against Palace, who are not in a great run of form themselves. So, yeah, it, I, I, I still think the odds are stats against us, but we've got a significantly better chance than we did on Saturday morning. So looking ahead to Palace then, Jordan, do you think that um, Roy will stick now to this formation that's 
you know, come good for him? Or do you think it, it's very flexible in, in terms of what he does and it's going to be a opposition-based decision rather than um, what's working type of thing? Yeah, I think I think we're most likely to see us stick. Um, having had that success against against Villa, kind of playing in a similar similar setup to to how to how um, Crystal Palace will play in a sense they're going to have a four two three one or four three three, however you like to refer to it as, uh, with the kind of the, the same similar numbers one on one in midfield, uh, and you've also got kind of the wide areas to deal with. I think you'd probably look at that and say Hodgson's most likely going to stick with uh, with what we had on the weekend and try and kind of continue some of that positive output in, in this one now it's going to be a slightly different game um, but I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a real test and it's going to be interesting to see how exactly we do do deal with it I'm sure we'll see a couple of different change a couple of different kind of details and some changes there and maybe even some personnel changes uh, but I, I think the kind of foundation of how we approach it will be very similar um, I imagine that kind of this will be a game as well that that Palace will be looking to obviously win um, we are going to be in that situation for the rest of the season I think that is in some ways, a positive. It does suit how we're going to play, and, and kind of we need that. Um, I, I think it will be it will be a tough test, but I, I'm sure we'll stay pretty similar to what we what we saw against Villa. Yeah, I don't think Roy Hodgson's the sort of person who changes his game plan drastically from from match to match. You know, I think it would be a variation upon a theme. As say, he knows that team fairly well. Obviously, they've they've signed some players, but there's still a lot of those guys are still. Um, they're still there, and you know, if he if there's a weakness that he sees in that team that he was aware of, I'm sure he's going to say, you know, we, t- we target, you know, this player or that player, or whatever it may be, or whatever. In this moment, we, we this is where we have to capitalise. But I don't think. Um, I mean, if there's one manager that knows how to stop Zaha playing at his best, it's going to be Hodgson, isn't it? So this could be. That's it, and I think that's got a factor. That's got a factor into it as well, hasn't it? That the, the stopping Zaha, um, that is that is a big big thing but as I say Elise and Iberia is a very good very very good players as well who have been dangerous for them so you know this it's not as simple as just one player obviously Conor Gallagher scored a lot of goals for them this season mm. their top scorer with yep. seven goals he's yep. you know he's got a real knack of popping up in the right place at the right time to score so yeah they they are I don't think they're a, I don't think they're a bad team they're probably exactly where they kind of deserve to be probably in, in kind of mid-table but um, you know we've got we've got to treat them with, with due respect and and make sure that uh, we do all the, the things that we did well on Saturday again. Obviously, Zaha's always a difficult one to deal with. He's his inclusion. I went back and watched um, and watched the, the the Palace game against against Chelsea, and it's interesting to see kind of a lot of their play was quite heavily focused down the right hand side. Um, a lot of it going through kind of kind of going through AU and, and kind of using that wing with Klein as well. Uh, and Zaha's obviously someone that can. He can always be a problem, and I'm sure he's likely to be heavily involved in this game. But in terms of accounting for him, it's it's kind of the way you always have to. I think we've done a good job over the years, but I think kind of being aggressive against him, trying to force him into into some difficult situations early on, and just try and get him off his game. It's never. I mean, look, to be honest, we know what Wilfred Zaha is. It's not particularly hard for teams to get him off his game and, and get him rattled a bit. So I'm sure that as, as simplistic and <laughs> taken away from kind of a more minute tactical detailed side of things, he is he is someone that's able, you're able to get in his head quite easily. And I think Watford will know that even with the few players that are left over from the, the previous time he played. Uh, and I'm sure that if we go in with that approach and, and try and try and just kind of shit house our way through it a little bit like we did like Samir was doing um in in that game and try and use some of those some of those methods and just just be awkward 
um, that that could potentially nullify Zaha, and that's kind of the way I'd look to do it still. Um, and in terms of the rest of the team, though, it's going to be a little bit of a closer matchup, I'd say. The Hodgson factor might come to uh, help us out there. Um, you know how sometimes managers go back to their old clubs and it works out. That didn't work out for Ranieri this season, to be fair, when he was <laughs> when he was managing yesterday against Leicester. But uh, you, know, you never know. You never know. I don't know how warmly he's put there. These, I think that they they like him, but I think they were quite kind of glad to to see the back of him by the end, weren't they? Well, I mean, quiet. it's probably they probably have the same feelings towards him that we do. That the football isn't particularly exciting, but that it got the job done for them. And um, yeah. you know, they can't argue with that. So I think that they'd probably be, you know, give me a warm reception. You know, saying you know, welcome back. You know, enjoy the nibbles. Uh, <laughs> but um. I mean, look, I mean, you know, they've changed manager. Uh, and where are they? Pretty much the same sort of position they were under Roy in 13th. So has it really changed much? Well, the football's changed a bit for them. but I, th- I think, yeah, I think they're playing a bit more kind of attacking front foot football than they were, aren't they? Um, they've got, they've invested in some decent players. Obviously, we know about, we don't know all about Wilfred Zahar, but, you know, they've added other kind of um attack-minded players, haven't they? Edouard's gone in there. Michael Elise is a very good footballer. Eze, who was there previously, you know, is, is a very good footballer as well. Conor Gallagher's done very well. But I think they're just, they do seem to have just been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rut at the moment where they're not, they're not really scoring either. They, apart from the game against West Ham on New Year's Day where they scored twice, they haven't scored more than once, um, more than once since and no goals in their last two, which was Chelsea defeat the weekend and a nil-nil draw against Brentford prior to that. So, you know, they're going to be right for the picking, but equally, as we often say with these games, they're going to be looking at us and thinking the exact same thing. That we, You know, we're we're a bad team that hasn't been scoring and has been conceding. So let's get our season back on track and, and get a comfortable win there. So it's going to, it's not going to be an easy game. It's never an easy game. I'm sure plenty is going to be made of the, the Zahar, Hodgson, Harry the Hornet, um, sort of um, love triangle, hate <laughs> yes. triangle. I don't know what it. I don't know what part what the yeah what that is. But you if know, Harry doesn't, if Harry doesn't dive, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> there's always there's always something with Wilfred Zahar, isn't there? There's just always something when we play them. Yeah, so I'm, we I'm, have to be careful. I might be wrong here, but I don't think I've seen much of Sar. Sorry, Saha, um diving recently. As, do you think he's cleaned up his act a bit, or has he just got too, I don't know. It doesn't, too lazy to dive the, um, now? Perhaps with the old uh, VAR, it's it's kind of changed it a bit. You know, made it a bit more difficult for him. I certainly, I'm, yeah, I'm not really aware of it having been a, a debate for a long time with mm. him. Certainly, so yeah, potentially not. He's but you know he's still he's still a good player, and it just would be absolutely bloody typical, wouldn't it, if he. Uh, he, missed a couple of good chances uh, yesterday, didn't he? When he was playing. yeah, that's it, that's it. He, you know, but with him, it's the kind of chaos he creates around him, isn't it? As much as anything, I think mm. with being such a good dribbler, ball carrier, gets into dangerous positions. Just you know, we've seen it so many times against the seven. He sort of tricks people into doing silly things that they wouldn't otherwise do. So we're going to have to be, you know, well, well aware of that threat. But you know, say he's not the only one. They've added some other, some other decent players. I think they're a much more attacking, attack-minded side than they were under Roy Hodgson. Certainly, that's why they brought Patrick Vieira in. Um, so we've got to, you know, we've got to get go from the from the word go really, and, and play and play like we did up at, up at Villa, and, and not. Um, and not assume that anything is going to be is going to be given to us because it, it just won't be. Also, there's the Will Hughes 
potential return, isn't there? So I'm very interested is, to hear, yeah. depending on whether he plays or not, whether he gets a, a decent reception or gets grief, I suspect, given I that we're actually young, you'll probably get grief, yeah. won't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I mean, in some ways, in some ways, is it deserved? I, th- I think maybe because he, he's, you know, he kind of forced that move, didn't he, basically? Um we, and, and, and the fans wanted him to stay um, and the contract was on the table. So, I mean, all of those things, when you add them up, that usually means we're going to, we're going to boo you rather than we're going to, um, you know, applaud you back. Yeah. But I just don't feel like we know enough. Was the offer good enough? Knowing us, we probably offered him well, I mean, an extra the, the 50 thing, quid a year. The thing that everyone is stupid. talking about, well, not everyone's talking about, but the thing that people mentioned at the time was that, um, the contract was going to include the uh, reduction for any relegation, which I think all of the contracts now that Watford hand out include. So there was no surprise that that was going to be on the table. But if you're Will Hughes and you're thinking, well, we've just been promoted, there's a good chance we're going to go back down again. <laughs> you don't want to sign that contract, do you? So uh, No, exactly. That's it. I don't blame him. Do you know what the thing is with Will Hughes? It's just a shame you went to Palace. A, because they're Palace. And B, because I think... You know, they're a side that we'd say we're not a million miles off, kind of, in terms of levels, we're probably quite similar, aren't we? Yeah, it's know, not a step they've up. They've not really, got an enormous... It? That's it, it's not a step up. And, you know, when he came through, when we signed him, it seemed like a coup that he had picked us and he was coming to us. And if he was going to come here and do well, he'd get a move to a, you know, a bigger club. Not necessarily a top four club, but, you know, a bigger club. And I just don't think that is Palace. And obviously, given our history with Palace as well, it's, um, it's a fairly painful one, isn't it? So... Uh, I, I don't bear him any ill will, to be honest with you, but I suspect, yeah, he will, if he plays, and he hasn't always been a starter for them this season, he'll probably get um, not the warmest reception, which is a shame, because he did win promotion with us and, and get help us to an FA Cup final. So he deserves some recognition for that. Um, Jordan, do we have any questions from people or, or any anything that people have, have written <laughs> we, into We us? had a couple of questions regarding the shape, um, which I think we covered. That we didn't ask a question for this one. It was a bit of a disjointed podcast no, in the end, wasn't it? With two recordings. But um, yeah, I mean, next time we'll kind of get a little bit of a... I guess we have a game this week, don't we? So we do. we'll get some questions in for the next podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll get a little bit deeper in. We've got a shorter turnaround this week. And then, um, yeah, game to cover on, on Wednesday. All right. Good stuff. Well... I'll just bring a couple of uh, updates with regards to uh, some reviews that we've had. We've had one yeah. in uh, from Bren MX, who says, Brilliant podcast, five-star, strong analytical reviews of everything that is going on Watford and the hosts of people that actually know about football. Superb. And it cheers me up, especially this season. Give it a listen. Well, look, we appreciate the review, Bren. Was it Bren, did you say? B R E N. Yeah, Bren M X. Or, or maybe maybe Bren. maybe the name is Bren Brenmix. 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 Well, look, look, Bren, we appreciate you listening, and yeah, if it if it helps if it helps a rough season go by, then we're we're here for you. This is a, this is a support group for everyone because we feel the same way, and <laughs> us talking to you guys helps us as well. And that's the thing; everything's going to change. There's going to be ups and downs, but the fans are always. We're still going to be in this position. And we're all going through it together, so hopefully it can it can ease that pain just a little bit. Um, <laughs> we can share some of that suffering, but also kind of share the enjoyment as well. It's always nice. It's nice, nice, nice little review there. Thank you very much, uh, Bren, if, if indeed that is your name. Um, I'd also like to welcome another patron to the Watford Buzz uh, family, um, Mook Rofer, or, or possibly M. Crofer. 
or possibly uh mc roofer maybe maybe it like their their job is like it's like an mc and they're i don't know i'm not sure really. we need to get we need to get some phonetic pronunciation uh i think sheet i think called, what like, people should do is it. just put their names on things and then I can give you a proper thank you. Well, they might want to go by a certain alias. That's fine. We just need to know how to not butcher it every time that we discuss them. Or that. We, need to, we should that. probably we should probably start. We should probably actually start reading out our patrons just to get them a little shout at the beginning of episodes or at the end of episodes, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think we should. All right. Well, let's gather. Let's gather our intel and try and work out how to pronounce it. The next episode will actually come into it with a, an understanding of how to say these things. Perhaps that is why you are in charge of. <laughs> I'm not in charge at all, but it sounds <laughs> that sounds good. It does sound good, doesn't it? All right, okay, good. Well, it's, uh, short, uh, shorter than the last pod, although that one was you know, probably large, longer than it needed to be, to be honest. But um, uh, okay, so uh, if you want to um, join us, just like uh, that person did, um, whose name I won't butcher again, um, you can find the the patron uh, just by typing in what for Buzz patron um and you can get access to uh, ad free versions of this show there cool so um yeah anything you'd like to add jordan uh look, i think we covered pretty much everything we've got another game coming up pretty quick so we'll be back to discuss that one um yeah i, I don't know i think i think we pretty much hit everything we um these short weeks kind of remind me of being back in the that last season because i've had those quick turnarounds yeah. we're like talking to each other every day for a while yeah um great. I mean, yeah, we, so that would be. We're likely to be back to it next season, John. So. Yeah, yeah, we might be back. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, looking forward to kind of getting that out. I also want to kind of do a little bit more preview stuff um, as soon as well. So I, I don't know. I'll keep you updated on that. But I'd like to try and get some things out rather than just having post-game uh, kind of discussion. I'd like to try and get something going for pre-game too. So maybe we'll get signed before the next one. If not, definitely coming up and. Yeah, if you have any questions or you have any general questions about the show or questions you want us to talk about, games in particular, uh, or whatever it is, please just kind of feel free to get in touch, have a discussion with us. We always like to talk to you guys. Um, always like to hear from you, positive, negative, whatever it is, just kind of let us know. And we will try to make this better. Good stuff. Very well said, Jordan. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining me this morning, this afternoon. Uh, and thanks again to Tom, who was with us earlier. But uh, for now, that'll be the end of the show. We'll see you again uh, after Wednesday to uh, bring you, hopefully, the news of another win for Watford and uh, the the resurgence of of Watford climbing their way up the table. Four points separate us from Newcastle currently. Another win could be down to one. Fingers crossed. So, from myself, from Jordan and from Tom, we'll see you next time. Come on, you want. Come on, you want. Bye-bye.